Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bucky Cast. Um, you have John and Ryan here today. Justin is taking a well-deserved couple days off. Uh, we have uh, what we think is a pretty good show for you guys today. We're going to do some news and notes, uh, a big, finally, a big uh, kind of commitment news on the Wisconsin football front for the 2023 class. Uh, we have some basketball to touch on, a couple games that we we want to at least talk a little bit about. And then we have uh, we're going to get into spring football, um, talk about Maybe some things that John and I want to see or are hoping to see out of the, the football program as we go into into spring as the the, the great thaw happens. Um, that's kind of our show today. John, what's up, my man? Hey, greetings from the great white north. Uh, it's We've had pretty a lot of snow out on the east coast, too. We're kind of your your winter wonderland uh, brothers out here this year. Uh, we've, we've had practically no snow here in Wisconsin. We've got a good, like four inches on the ground and that's even starting to go away. So mm. anywho, uh, what you drinking tonight there, uh, Ryan? So I have the triple IPA from outer light, which I typically really like, but I'm not a big fan of this particular variety. Um, it is 10.2%. So it's, it's got a little bit more of a kick than I would normally take and it just it tastes a little too much like it has too much of a kick for my palate but it's not bad i'm going to finish it off and then after that i have the samuel adams cold snap which is a white ale it's just a winter ale it's smooth um and it'll be a good beer to kind of wash down this triple ipa that i've got well he's going with the triple ipa action friend of the show josh schaefer of uh, yahoo finance will be will be quite proud of you mm. if he listens if you're listening josh thank you um, I myself am drinking uh, a honey bock from uh, New Glarus Brewing Company called Cabin Fever, and it is a hearty, uh, hearty winter beer, as, as bocks tend to be. Uh, not, I, I can't really taste too much honey in there, but it's it's definitely a bock. Um, I actually thought it was a strong amber for a while, but after rereading the label. Uh, turns out I was wrong. So, and then uh, after that, I'm going to be switching over to a Mocha Berry Bach, also from New Glarus Brewing Company. So they had a pretty good uh, blueberry uh, cocoa stout that I had. Uh, the Mocha Berry Bach, I had that too. It's not, it's 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 very fruity, but it's not um, it's not overpoweringly so. So in a Bach, it's actually kind of refreshing. And that's our that's our notes on beer. It's a hallowed tradition here on the Bucky Cast. One of the few that we have. Yeah, we we don't uh, have name that badger anymore. So, oh uh, no, the new listeners may not even realize that used to be a thing. Um, one of the <laughs> I don't I don't know if the old listeners made it to that part of the show because that was at the true. end. So. It might have just been us talking amongst ourselves at that point. Pretty much, but, probably. Uh, all right, let's jump into to news and notes. Why don't you why don't you kick us off there? Uh, first off, uh, as Ryan alluded to earlier in the show, uh, Wisconsin got its first 2023 commit, which thank God they did because I think they were the only team in the Big Ten who didn't have a commit yet. Uh, Tyler Jancy, an inside linebacker from Batavia, Illinois, um, a 24/7 composite three star, I believe. He might actually be unranked in the composite, but I know that he was no, he, a three-star for two four seven. Three-star composite. Yep. Okay. Uh, sort of a sort of a poor man's Jack Sanborn, um, or or a a parallel to Brian Sanborn, Jack's younger brother at this point as a recruit. 
um, seems to be able to track the ball from sideline to sideline pretty well. Not, you know, tremendous straight line speed, but he seems to have pretty good uh, football speed and football instincts, which, you know, virtually every inside linebacker recruit for Wisconsin over the last five years. Uh, you can probably add that into their list of uh, intangibles. It's practically a factory. You stamp that on them and then crank them out. Uh, good instincts, smart kid, good football playing speed. Repeat ad nauseum. Repeat ad nauseum. Like a factory, <laughs> like a mold that just stamps them out of Wisconsin. They, they, yep, they absolutely do. It's even got Wisconsin's trademark on them. Um, so, Ryan, what do you think of uh, think of Tyler Jancy? I think it's fine. Like, it's hard to get. <laughs> like, so it, it's nice to be on the – first of all, it's nice to be on the board with recruiting, right? It's, like, we talked about that. It's, it's, it's nice to have. It's not a sexy pickup. It's not a sexy pickup. The offer list is light would be, it's very light. You know, there's the in-state Illinois has an offered um, Northwestern has an offered a lot of the, the mid tier three-star schools that recruit that area outside of like the Ohio States and the Penn States have the powerhouse have an offered. Now it, there is something to be said about when Wisconsin, Wisconsin's been on Jancy for a while yeah. and Wisconsin identifies, June. yep. This is, this is not a Johnny come lately offer for Wisconsin. And Wisconsin identifies linebackers pretty well. Like, I mean, that, that has probably been the hallmark of Wisconsin over the last five, 10 years. So you, you have to give some credit there. You have to give some benefit of the doubt there, but um, he's a little undersized and he's not a great athlete. I don't know. It's fine. Like, it's fine. Like, which means he's probably going to become like this year or something, right? And playing the NFL. But it gets us on the board and it's hard to doubt Wisconsin's history yet you know, recent history recruiting linebackers. So. Yep. So overall, just, you know, we're, we're happy that this, uh, that we've got this commit. Uh, we're not over the moon about it, but you know, it's, it's still early in the process. Um, I know Wisconsin's got a junior day coming up in about a month and we'll see if more, uh, more players are, are brought in at that point or more offers go out. Um. Then we have just a, a, a small item. Um, another Badger who was buried on the depth chart has sought uh, employment elsewhere through the transfer portal. Uh, this time it was wide receiver A.J. Abbott, uh, who was going to be uh, entering his fifth year in the program. Uh, he got a little bit of playing time at the end of the 2020 season and in the 2021 season. Nothing to really write home about. He caught a couple of passes, I think, in that time. Uh, he and Taj Mustafa were the guys, I believe we brought them in from West Bloomfield was high West school, Bloomfield, Michigan. Yeah. Yep. Which was a, which is a football powerhouse in the state of Michigan. And they just, they never had the impact that was expected of them. So uh, yeah, AJ Abbott, probably, you know, not looking at seeing a ton of playing time uh, had kind of been surpassed by some younger players on the roster. And so he has sought uh sought uh like i said a scholarship elsewhere and good luck to aj um as i always say once once a badger always a badger so uh on that note uh on the other side of the transfer portal for women's volleyball uh the badgers have brought in a 6-4 outside hitter from michigan state uh sarah franklin um sarah franklin is 
a pretty big deal for Wisconsin to get. She was first team all big 10 last year and she was third in the conference in kills. So this is not like Wisconsin just bringing in some depth piece. This is a legitimate, you know, legitimate all big 10 player to add to a, a spot where Wisconsin, you know, was looking for some more talent to throw in there. So that makes three transfers into Wisconsin who all, I believe were first team um, all conference in their respective conferences. So Wisconsin's been, uh, been rebuilding that uh, women's volleyball depth with all the graduating super seniors and uh, can't wait for the season to start. Um, you know, this, this uh, late summer, early fall, looks like it'll be a good one. That's all I have for news and notes. Basketball. Why not? Why not? I, I <laughs> thought you were going to roll into it. We got confused, no. but uh, let's no, you're, you're steering this pinata today. So uh, well, Lord help the armada. Um, <laughs> so if I'm at the, if I'm at the wheel, um, so we did want to talk about basketball. We haven't talked about basketball in a while. We've had a couple games that we haven't hit on. I think this isn't going to be the most structured basketball segment, but I did want to, I'm going to bring some stuff up to you. I want to get kind of your reaction or your thoughts on these things. The Illinois game, Wisconsin went into that. Uh, we haven't talked about it. That was a huge matchup uh, up until that point in the season. I would say the biggest regular season matchup Wisconsin's had. Illinois pretty thoroughly beat Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, what, Kofi, what is your takeaway out of that? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, where, where, where are you coming out of that game? Kofi Cokeburn's an Kofi, I keep mispronouncing his name. Kofi Coburn is an absolute animal. Uh, the dude scored 28 points. He didn't even have to try hard. Uh, they essentially fed the ball to him in the paint, and he would dribble it a couple times, make a couple moves, and then put it in. Uh, Stephen Kral, I did not expect to be able to hang with him defensively, and he didn't uh, because you know he was like a, a, a toothpick to uh, Coburn. Chris Vote I thought might hold up a little bit better, but he just shrugged Vote aside as well. Uh, there was just no stopping him. Andre Curbelo had a good uh, first game back after having COVID and injuries before that. And Wisconsin just didn't really have any answers. They kept it relatively close in the first half. And then the, the classic bugaboo for Wisconsin uh, shooting woes popped up in the second half and they fell behind by 11. And you knew once they were behind by more than six or eight points, there was no coming back. Illinois was just playing too well. And every time Wisconsin, Wisconsin did cut it to six at one point, but after that, uh, Illinois just put their foot on the gas and uh, blew them out of the house, which isn't a total tragedy. Um, Illinois is obviously the first first place in the big 10 uh they're there for a reason they've got a really good team now that Curbelo's back so they uh they were expected to to do this to wisconsin before before the season started and even with all the uh top play the badgers have had uh this was going to be a hard one to pull off and they did not uh johnny davis did score i think 20 or 22 points but it came on i think eight of 20 shooting he was not, he was not great. And that's kind of a theme lately for Johnny Davis. He has been a uh, guy who has scored due to the simple volume of touches he gets rather than the quality of the touches that he gets. And that I think probably 
leads us. I should mention we did beat Minnesota um, the weekend before. So, um, which was actually two weekends ago now, but uh, we did, it's been that long since we podcasted folks. Uh, it's, it's been a while. Um, so we did beat Minnesota. That was good. Uh, that game was probably closer than it should have been. But uh, then after Illinois, we come to last weekend's game, which was the home game against Penn State. And Ryan, I don't know about you, but that was some of the most brutal basketball watching I've ever had to do, period. It, it reminded me of some of, um, some of the, the Bo Ryan teams where we just ground out like games, win or loss, you know, 50 to 44, you know, there was a Penn state game, 36 to what, 33, that infamous Wisconsin Penn state game in the big 10 tournament. Oh, it was hey. just a grind. I would say before we move completely on from Illinois, the last thing I would mention, and this has been, this has been a frustration of mine with Wisconsin basketball for a long time. I think, I think Wisconsin and Bo Ryan was this way and great guards this way. They're, it's not an inability. They're, um, they're, complete um reticence to play any type of zone i I think it 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 hurts wisconsin at times like to be able to throw in a matchup zone or one two two against is a shortcoming of wisconsin's basketball program i think it's a stubbornness there that that most most really good programs don't have quite frankly even in the nba teams will go to zone to try to to mix it up um in, in, it, in fairness to Greg Gard, I don't think even a zone would have stopped Kofi Coburn that night. It's, it's not so it's not about stopping a team, it's about giving them a different look and throwing them out of a rhythm. You're right. Like because you're not gonna zone up Kofi Co- Co- Coburn with um with the, the post players we have, the front court we have and stop them. It's it's about when they come down the court, you give them a different look and they take five or six seconds to figure it out and they lose their flow for a possession or two because they have to then switch into a zone offense. You know, it's, it's just, it's a change of is what it is, but that that's a tangent. Um, I don't think we beat Illinois. Like you said, I agree with you. I don't think we beat them either way. It's just always been a frustration of mine that we are so rigid defensively. I think it limits us um, moving on from Illinois to Penn state. Listen, I, there, there is a, a, a fundamental um, mental toughness to this team. You know, you get in a really close, ugly game. The fact that they're still able to pull it out in the middle of the Big Ten Conference, you know, they won it. But that Penn State game was incredibly ugly. Um, the shooting was terrible. But, you know, Penn State shot it terribly, too. It was just an ugly, ugly basketball game that no one should ever have to pay to watch. Uh, but it was a win. And there's a mental toughness to this team in close games that you tend to have faith that they're going to find a way down the stretch to make a couple big shots and pull it out. And Wall did that. Davidson hit a, a really big timely three down the stretch. He's a veteran. He's got total, total nails in him. So ugly game, but there is a clutch gene to this team that I appreciate. Wisconsin did, uh, after blowing their original lead, come back. And I think they were ahead by either seven or nine with a couple minutes left. And they proceeded to blow most of that lead and only wound up winning by two. So that was Tyler Wall uh, dribble drive to the basket uh, for a lay-in. So Tyler Wall has really come a long ways, and just for he had to, but he had to do that to pull the game out, which was, you know, thank thank God he did that because otherwise I don't know what would have happened. Johnny Davis scored four points in that game, four points, and you just cannot have your number one player 
put up four points in a game, you're almost guaranteed to lose, except Wisconsin pulled it out. Ryan, are you concerned now at this point about Johnny Davis? No, I'm actually not. And this goes back to a discussion we had, I think, on our previous podcast where, like, I – I always thought he was playing a little over his head earlier in the season. And then if, so if you play a little over your head, at some point you're going to play a little below your head. And then the law of averages equals out. He's always going to be a volume shooter. He's inconsistent with his shot. Like this is always going to be the, the, if you have a giant, think of the giant tsunami in the ocean, right? You have the top of that tsunami is the Purdue game. Well, if you have a top of a tsunami, you're going to have a trough and a trough is Penn state. So to me, this was always going to be Davis. Like he's going to have highs and lows because his jump shot just isn't consistent enough. And his ball handling isn't quite clean enough to get a bunch of open looks right at the rim. So he has to settle for a bunch of jump shots. And when it's an inconsistent jump shot, this is what you get. Now, I will say this, even, even with the shooting woes, Davis is averaging what, like seven, eight rebounds a game, two or three steals. Like he's all over the place, still making an impact in the game. Yeah, he had a couple of big block shots in that Penn State game. Now where he came out of nowhere and blocked the dude out of bounds. Mm-hmm. So, um, Ryan, would you say that his water will eventually find its level? You know, that's my favorite saying. Water <laughs> finds its level. But you didn't Which, you didn't say it, and so I felt I had to promise. You know, I that. still I still went to a water analogy though with a tsunami, right? You with did. You went to a water analogy. A crest. I'm proud of you. Uh, yeah, Way to so go. <laughs> I think it's just it's part of living with a high volume shooter with a bit of an inconsistent jump shot. Like it is what it is. Yeah. I would agree on that one. Uh, any other takeaways you have right now from the Badger season? We're, we're past the halfway point now. I think there's only, is, is it eight games left? Yeah, it's probably about I right. I think it's, yep. I think it's eight games left. So we're, we're um, today's February 7th. So yep. we've got a little less than a month left in the season. Good Lord. Who thought we'd ever get to this point? It feels like it flew by. Let me give you but, three quick rapid fire takeaways because you, okay. you asked if I have any more. I'll give you three yeah. quick rapid fire ones. The first is any, it blows me away that any opposing team ever closes out hard on Tyler Wall. Even that, that layup that you referenced against Penn State, it's because they closed out on him on the three-point line and he drove by him. You should close out six feet away from Tyler Wall. I'm glad other teams still close out hard, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, second takeaway the bench is terrible. Our bench scoring just about every game, just, just from an offensive standpoint, like I'm not trying to disparage anyone, but our, our bench, when you compare it to the bench units coming off of other teams, we just don't have any offensive firepower. It's just, it's, it's a lot of young guys who haven't seen a lot Mm -hmm. of time in their careers. Uh, Jacoby Neath has done next to nothing. And, you know, thanks to sickness and injury, he's just been out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lauren Bowman shows some things and then he, th- you know, he had, he missed three or four free throws. He was showing some good acumen to drive to the basket. And then he came up Didn't empty finish. and I, it was just, he's not a bad free throw shooter either. So, no. um, you know, Chris vote has gone into an absolute tailspin offensively. Uh, he was Carlson really good for much. about six to eight points. Carlson has, has yet to find his rhythm again. Uh, Carter Gilmore is not playing anymore because he was that terrible offensively. So Wisconsin's bench is very, very limited right now. And almost all the scoring has to come from the starters. And thankfully uh, players like Chucky Hepburn and Stephen Crawl mm-hmm. and Tyler Wall have stepped up when other players have not. 
And uh, without that, I, you know, I don't know what Wisconsin would do. Fortunately, they're still playing good enough defense that um, they're able to limit most opponents who can't just athletically overwhelm them. But I think their next game coming up uh, Wednesday is at Michigan State, traditionally a house of horrors akin to Mackey Arena for the Badgers. So we'll see if they can pull off a miracle there. I think it almost would take a miracle to beat uh, Michigan State. But then again, they did beat Purdue. So yeah, which did take which did take a miracle, by the yes, way, with the way the that, fouls yes. were going in that game. And then yep. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with basketball. I'm I'm obviously overall incredibly pleased with where we're sitting right now. I don't know how you can't be coming into the season yes, the expectations we had. So if there are people out there who are saying, Well, I'm disappointed that they lost to Illinois that badly, uh folks. This was this was twice the wins I expected them to have at this point yep. of the season. So Yep. Um, yeah, no one's disappointed by basketball. Uh, final segment. Uh, Ryan and I were talking about this. Um, football is kind of an, it, it's literally in a dead period recruiting wise. It is also in sort of the, uh, the winter workout phase, which not a lot of news happens during this time period, but we want to bring you football content. We feel it's important because you know, it's, it's basically the bedrock of, of all good uh, podcasts, especially up here in Big Ten country. So uh, we both uh, have some items that we'd like to look for uh, when spring football kicks off. And uh, Ryan, I'm going to start with you. What's your uh, number three thing you want to see? Ooh, I didn't rank them. Um, well, I know what my number one is. So Well, you can just pick out of a hat. Okay. It's okay. I really, so one of the, the big things I'm interested in is seeing the new transfers come in, like the, the corners, the receiver, spe- specifically the corners, like, uh, cause we have nothing there. And we obviously talked about Dean Ingram moving over from cornerback to receiver. So that entire cornerback room is, is being redone on the fly with guys that have a lot of high level experience, UCLA, Kentucky. I mean, uh, Justin, I forget his last name. Sorry. Justin, the Toledo transfer, uh, Justin um, Clark, Justin Clark. So, Toledo is obviously not at that level, but, you know, pulling in corners from Kentucky, UCLA, the SEC, and the Pac-12, I'm very interested to see the reports on on those two. Um, I'm assuming they're going to slot in as starters. So, to me, that that's a huge storyline coming into the spring to see how that, that room starts to shake out. Those three transfers, and I would imagine um, Alexander Smith and Samar Melvin are going to be the top five corners, unless one of the uh, redshirt freshmen – or true freshman um, surprises. I don't think Corey Lyde's going to play because, you know, he missed last his last year of high school with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to be, you know, can Avion Jones catch up? Can Al Ashford, who missed his entire first season of college, catch up? He's got a lot of physical attributes. Yep. Ricardo Hallman showed really well, flashed really well in the backup action he got. Uh, Max Lofi, I almost expect to get moved to safety at this point. Um, he's been moved there once already. So, yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I think cornerback's going to be a fascinating thing to watch here in spring ball. Now, I like you said, I expect Jay Shaw and um, Cedric Dort to be the starters at cornerback come the start of the season. So, in that respect, there's not going to be a ton of mystery. Uh, going into going into the exit from spring ball as to who the starters are going to be. I think both those guys are all conference type talents. So uh, for me, uh, as positions go, uh, this is kind of an under the radar one, maybe not for Wisconsin, but tight end. 
Wisconsin has virtually no production returning at tight end now that Jake Ferguson is off to the NFL. By the way, Jake Ferguson had a fantastic showing in the senior yeah. bowl. Uh, for a guy who was being billed as an inline blocking tight end, he was catching passes all over the place and really showing off. So congratulations to uh, Jake Ferguson on improving his draft stock, most likely. Uh, he has a famous grandfather, and I, I, I can't place my finger on who that is. <sighs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the tight end position, uh, Jack Eschenbach and Clay Cundiff right now are the top like H-back tight end possibilities, and Jalen Franklin's hanging around in the background, sort of like a, a thief in, in, in an alley somewhere. <laughs> You know he's there. You just don't quite know where. But uh, all three of those guys have virtually no proven ability. Clay Cundiff has the most of any of them in terms of like actual plays made. So we don't really know what we have for pass catching tight ends. For run blocking tight ends, um, uh, there's Hayden Rucci, who uh, has not to this point shown a whole lot of pass catching ability. And Cam Large, who is again, who also missed time with an injury season ending injury this year and hasn't shown a ton either yet. Um, they're all mostly young guys and uh, Jack Pugh's in there too, but none of them have, have ever been true starters. So I'm really curious to see if Wisconsin can turn things around there. If Mickey Turner can get more, uh, more action going there. Ryan, what's your number two? Yeah. Just final note on tight ends. Um, I don't think we've had a position be more destroyed by injuries over the last couple of years. So just, just getting some dudes healthy. And if we can get a little better luck there, you know, we, I don't think we really know how, how good of a developer Mickey Turner is because all of his dudes have been hurt really other than Ferguson in the last two years. Well, so. and his whole career, his, his coaching career at Wisconsin, he had either Troy Fumagalli or Jake Ferguson mm-hmm. to a greater or lesser extent. So this is his chance to develop another top tight end or two. I'd love to see more than one. And we'll see what he does. The raw clay so is there. Yeah, there's some talent there for sure. Um, but I, it's almost impossible for the group to be better next year without Ferguson. Like even if kids develop, or not kids, young young men develop. I would say my number two spot, and this is actually my number one spot, but I want to use it because I'm afraid it might be your number two, and I want to steal any potential thunder you might be bringing. Um, <laughs> but, but really <laughs> – the, the spot I'm most fascinated with um, is the offensive line. Like I, it, I am just so interested to see if we finally get some of these four and five star offensive tackles, um, whether it's Logan Brown, whether it's Malman, whether it's Rucci, where does Nelson move? I think all the, in, you know, it seems like he's probably going to move back to the outside after playing that guard last year. And then who slides in the guard, you know, um, there's rumors out there, but I'm just very, very interested to see how this line starts to shape up, who's playing where, which young guys have stepped up. Um, where's Tyler Beach who came back? Is he moving inside? Is he is he continuing to battle a tackle? I think there's a ton of questions here. And I'm incredibly interested, especially with the new positional coach, Bob Bostead, coming over. I'm fascinated by the spot. And I think this spot, as much as we we talk about how bad the quarterback play was, we have to get better offensive line play, especially in pass protection. So uh, I, I'm fascinated to see which young guys step up and, and where the dominoes start to line up along the front five of the offensive line. Yeah, it's going to definitely be, I'll, I'll, that was, that was going to be number two for me. So thanks. So yeah, he shakes his fist at me, folks. Stole my thunder. 
Um, I think outside of Joe Tipman at center, we have absolutely no idea how this is going to shake out. Uh, there are so many players who have options. To, you know, is Jack Nelson going to be inside at guard because he was billed as a top left tackle type guy? Uh, mm-hmm. We have a couple of, if, if Tyler Beach does in fact move inside, we've got two vacancies on the outside of the offensive line and a whole crap ton of players to try and fill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Logan Brown, who's a five-star recruit, Nolan Rucci was a five-star recruit, Riley Malman and Trey Wedig, who were four-star recruits, and um, the Nelson elephant in the room. Back out. Yes, Nelson was also a, a, a four-star recruit. The elephant in the room being Tanner Bordellini. Where does Tanner Bordellini wind up? Where does he slot in? I personally think Tanner Bordellini belongs at, at guard or 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 center otherwise, but he's reputedly by, by the fact that he's played there, been their top swing offensive tackle. So we'll find out. I'm pretty sure Michael Furtney, who's a fifth year senior is going to get a guard spot. If Tyler beach is moving into guard, then he's probably going to nail down another one. And you so then so? it's going you to be just, I'm sorry. I, this is where it's so fascinating, right? Yeah. Cause if beach moves inside, I think Bordellini's got to start somewhere. I think he'd beat out Fertney or, or even Titman at center. And then, but Titman's got to play. And then no, I, don't, those... I don't see him beating out Titman. He could beat out Fertney, but um, just based on how Wisconsin usually handles things, Fertney showed enough in the, um, in this last season where he played really well in part-time duty. I think Michael Fertney is in line to probably start at left guard. Um I think after this year, when when Fertney is most likely gone, and uh, Cormac Sampson, who we didn't even talk about, who can play all five line positions, I'm curious to see how that turns out. Right. Right. So, what is your number two, John? That, that was my number two. <laughs> you stole my number two. <laughs> I know that's the. You, I want you to, well, give me your number one then, in case it's mine. You, you take the thunder for what's what's your number one thing you want to see coming out of spring football. Um, my number one thing out of spring football, will we get any hints on what kind of offense Wisconsin will run? What kind of adjustments Wisconsin will make at the, on, on offense? Will we see anything at all from practices? Obviously we don't have a spring game, a, a huge bummer. If you're a Wisconsin fan, uh, not many people attended, but it was always fun to at least be able to go to one and see the, the team scrimmage a little bit. We won't be getting that, but what we will get is um, hopefully some media reports out of practice and just get to know um, what's going on with the offense. What sort of uh, what sort of new wrinkles might they throw in? I don't expect a ton. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I honestly don't expect anything at all. I would, <laughs> I would anticipate us not getting to see a, a darn thing because Paul Christ. Uh, covets uh, his playbook like he does state secrets and and rarely shows anything sometimes not even during the regular season (laughs) so (laughs) it's true so um we'll find out but that's the number one thing i think that's the number one thing on every badger fan's mind is you know what does bobby ingram bring at offensive coordinator that that might shake things up a little bit so yeah, that would be my number one thing, if not for the fact that you hit the nail on this head, if not for the fact that we're not going to get any of that out of spring. So um, for me, it's it's just to see if Mertz is taking some type of step up because we will get the, the people that are there that are able to watch the spring practice. They do report on accuracy, you know, how he looks. They, they take some rudimentary numbers. 
I, I don't know. I, I just, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't think it's possible to get anything out of spring in terms of how much our offensive philosophy is shifting just because Chris isn't going to give any of that away. So I just want to see, do we believe as best as we can in spring, which is not much, but do we believe for the journalists that are there, the people that are able to see Mertz, the whispers around the program has Mertz taken a bit of a step. Um, and that if, if there's some type of positive momentum there, I think that'd be a huge development coming out of spring. Yep. And that I, I think is it. Hey, it's a solid show. For those that don't know, we actually had started recording a different show, which froze up as per usual, Bucky cast technical problems are, are <laughs> it's our stock and well, trade. It might as well be our fourth co-host. Like it's always with us. <laughs> well, let's get out of this quick then. Take us out, Ryan. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody for listening. Um, no, it's been a couple of weeks. We've been working through a few things and, and, you know, football season wrapped up. Basketball's kind of in, in the middle of its, I don't Ryan's had a lot dog. of personal problems, people. I don't want to call it with, like major, major problems with the mob and the mafia and all, you know, I'm trying to pull myself out of that quagmire right now. You're in now. the witness protection program. Be quiet. Um, but we do appreciate everyone who, who listens to this as always. Uh, please follow us, listen, uh, leave a review on, on Apple iTunes, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's helpful. And with that, yeah, uh, till next time, appreciate it, guys. Peace out.